Uhuru, Uhuru, you're listening to Uhuru. You're listening to the Reparations in Action podcast and FM radio show broadcast live every Tuesday at 12 p.m. on Black Power 96.3 WBPU LP, St. Petersburg, Florida. You can follow us on Podbean at uhurusolidarity.podbean.com. My name is Jamie Simpson, and I'm joined every Tuesday by Penny Hess and Jesse Neville to discuss some of the most pressing issues of these times of a colonial system that is in profound crisis. We sum up events as white people in solidarity with the African revolution through the eyes of the African working class and the political theory of African internationalism. Under the, under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party, we believe reparations is a question that demands action on the part of European or white people. As always, we'd like to begin by saluting Black Power 96.3 WBPU LP in St. Petersburg and the African People's Education and Defense Fund, the unmatched nonprofit organization that guides the work of Black Power 96.3, whose mission statement is to address the grave disparities faced by the Black community in human and civil rights, economic development, health, healthcare, and education. So welcome to this week's Reparations in Action. Today, we are going to start by speaking. We are, we are very honored to welcome onto the show Bakari Olatunji, the Western Regional Party representative of the African People's Socialist Party and the vice chair in Uhuru Foods and Pies. He is also the sales and uh, distributor coordinator for the Uhuru Pies campaign based in Oakland, California. Uhuru and welcome to Reparations in Action, Bakari Olatunji. Uhuru, thank you, Jesse, um, Jamie, for having me. I really appreciate it. It's an honor to be here on your program today. Thank you. Thank you for being here, comrade. It's, it's, it's an honor to be joined by you. I wanted to start off by noting that uh, last Thursday and Friday night, the Twin Cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul, Minnesota, saw renewed protests in response to the release of Derek Chauvin, the cop who murdered George Floyd by kneeling on his back for uh, nine minutes in that horrific video. Chauvin had posted bond with an undisclosed payment of $1 million. And it's, it's pretty clear it's the white community that is, is supporting his release, uh, though we do not know the specifics of that. Now, 11 years ago in Oakland, California, another white cop ground his knee into the back of a 22-year-old African man before shooting him point blank in the back and killing him as he lay face down and handcuffed outside of a Bay Area rapid transit car platform or a train car. His name was Oscar Grant, and the African community of Oakland has never stopped fighting for justice for him. Johannes Messerl, the cop who shot Oscar Grant several uh, served only 11 months on a charge of involuntary manslaughter. And th this is a charge that, that recalls uh, the, the paltry charge given to, I believe his name was uh, the, the cop who murdered Stephen Taylor, also of Alameda County in uh, April of this year of 2020. Last week, the Alameda County District Attorney reopened the case of Oscar Grant 
So Bakari Olatonji, welcome to Reparations in Action. We're hoping that you can speak to this question of uh, the reopening of Oscar Grant's case. Could, could, you, could you explain to us, first of all, who Oscar Grant was and why his death at the hands of the Bay Area Rapid Transit Police was so significant to the African community of Oakland, where you're based? And could you tell us why you think his case has been reopened? Well, thank you. Um, first of all, just to answer your question, Oscar Grant was a young African male who was out on uh, an evening with friends going to San Francisco via uh, what they call the BART Bay Area Rapid Transit System, which is like the subway. And they were returning from San Francisco, uh, enjoying themselves as young people do for a night out on the town. And um, there was some disturbance that happened on the train and at some point they just said, some report just said a group of black men, and as usual, it fits the profile, such as in slavery, when a white woman would be looked at and she would point to somebody or, or somebody would just be picked to say this black man looked at me, wolf whistled at me. It was the same type colonial lynch mob mentality, except the lynch mob in this case was the Bay Area Rapid Transit Police. They stopped this train at a particular station, which happened to be Fruitvale Station at the time, and they made everybody exit the train and they targeted Africans coming off the train, no matter who you were. And they immediately snatched Africans off the train, handcuffed them and threw them on the ground. Oscar Grant was one of those Africans with the group of his friends who were with him at that time. And there were, again, they closed down the station, they pulled these Africans off and they did not uh, pull uh, white people off the same way. And from what I heard, there was uh, a question of uh, a group of white men too that were involved with it, but they didn't handcuff anybody white. They didn't put anybody down or who were white on the ground. They did this to Africans, which is a typical behavior that we see um, in Oakland and throughout this country. And um, so anyway, the situation there um, involved Oscar eventually getting shot in the back while his hands were cuffed, a knee was to his neck, and he was shot, and he was killed. Uh, and they came off with all kinds of stuff. This officer, uh, Meserly, who uh, was convicted, as you said, 11 months is all he served. It was the first time that they had even put him on trial, but that was because of the resistance of the African community in Oakland. There rose up a fierce, fierce um, response around this murder. And um, there was skirmishes with OPD downtown Oakland for several nights. And again, it's no different than the climate that we saw with what happened uh, in Minneapolis with George Floyd, as you said, where uh, Chauvin put his knee in the back of, of uh, uh, George Floyd. And Oscar Grant had a knee to his neck the same way. It was this officer, I think, Tony Peroni, who was one of the inciting officers there. He was uh, really in the mix on that night that Oscar got murdered. And he had, there's a picture of him with his knee to Oscar's neck uh, while he was handcuffed uh, with his hands behind his back, face on the ground right before Mesley shot him in the back. So there's a lot of similarities with that situation. And I know you asked another question. I'm sorry, Jamie. No, that, that, that's okay. I, I think the, the other, and it, it, there's, there's a lot going into this, just contextually, but before we get to that, I, I wanted to talk about Lavelle Mixon, but before that, since, since you bring it up, just in, in terms of what led to the case 
being reopened. I know there's a lot of factors going into that. Um, George Floyd seems to be one of them. Another one that came to my mind is an African man, I believe his name was Stephen Taylor of Leandro County, uh, or, or Leandro, California, in Alameda uh, County, California. It's the same district attorney who, who brought a paltry charge. This African man was murdered by a cop in a Walmart over a baseball bat. And I, I just wondered if, if, if you could speak to, to that uh, factor of the George Floyd murder and, and uh, Stephen Taylor's murder contributing to, do you think that contributed to the reopening of this case of um, Oscar Grant? Absolutely, Jamie. I mean, it's been like an open season on African people um, throughout our existence here. We can go on, there's an endless name of Africans who've been murdered by the police um, for various reasons. Um, but speaking to Stephen Taylor, he was a young African who was in a Walmart who uh, had picked up a baseball bat and was not maliciously swinging it at nobody, doing anything. Someone called the police because they saw a young black man with a baseball bat. Um, and basically they confronted him and he uh, did not loosen the bat, but he was not threatening anybody. All of it is on video. And uh, basically they just shot him. They just murdered him in cold blood, but because it happened so much, it happened so often, it was just dismissed. And this woman, Nancy O'Malley, who is the district attorney in Alameda County, she has been a very vicious uh, uh, district attorney locking up countless numbers of African people on bogus charges. She, at this time to reopen this case, I think it speaks to the political climate as we talk about Minneapolis with George Floyd, we talk about Breonna Taylor and, and uh, uh, Jacob Blake. We look at this whole current of the resistance of people out here in the world taken to the streets. And I think that they, I think the reopening of this case um, is about uh, trying to pacify uh, the forces here uh, to keep people from um, uh, 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 rising up again because the political climate in Oakland is the same as every place else. People are ready to get in the streets. People are uh, have no confidence in the state and the system here in the district attorney's office in Alameda County, uh, which is where San Leandro's located, where Stephen uh, Taylor was murdered, which is where um, Oscar Grant was murdered. But there's a long history of uh, Nancy O'Malley and the district attorney's office locking up and covering up these murders. So I would definitely say it is because of the fact that they are trying to give an appearance of democracy, which it is not. They are trying to give an appearance of the state uh, doing their due diligence and, and justice for the African community and nothing can be said that's further from the truth uh, with this. It is basically to head off uh, the resistance of African people here in Alameda County um, in regards to the, the continual colonial violence that happens against African community every single day. You're, you're listening, we're talking to Bakari Olatunji. He is a leading member of the African People's Socialist Party. He is West Coast Regional Representative of the African People's Socialist Party and Vice Chair of Uhuru Foods. And you, he joins us today to uh, talk about the condition of African liberation um, in, in his area. Um, Bakari Olatunji, not long after the murder of Oscar Grant, we also saw the resistance of Lavelle Mixon. 
an African man who killed four cops before being killed himself by police. The bourgeois media moved immediately to heroize the dead cops and demonize Lavelle Mixon as they do. But the Uhura movement under your leadership in Oakland, California, upheld Lavelle Mixon's memory with a bold march and candlelight vigil with his family. Can you speak to the right of African people to resist their colonial oppression and how Lavelle Mixon exemplified this resistance and why you felt it was so important to defend him? It was very important to defend uh, Lavelle Mixon. Uh, he represented the resistance of African people against the colonial violence that we've been speaking of. Uh, Lavelle may not have been a political person. Lavelle was down the street from the Uhura house, as a matter of fact, when this shooting happened. Um, it was just four blocks from the community center um, in Oakland, California. I'm not sure if I've ever seen Lavelle at the Uhura house, but Lavelle represented the resistance, the stance that we want people to take to resist this foul, vicious violence that occurs daily in our communities. And Again, as you stated, the state moved immediately to uh, demonize the whole African community and to uphold uh, these killer cops. And there were some of these cops uh, who were killed, who were identified as people who had murdered Africans, who had uh, records of uh, the brutality that they did in the community. And as a matter of fact, even to stop Lavelle to begin with, they were doing these what they call routine traffic stops where they were stopping people for so-called license plate violations and stuff. And the thing is, the mistreatment of Lavelle, the way they dealt with Lavelle is basically what, you know, kind of spiral things to get started in that direction is the way they treat anybody. Um, so the reality is those cops uh, that were murdered are murderers. Uh, the situation around Lavelle Mixon is no different than what happens every day in the community. And we upheld Lavelle for the stance that he took of resistance. And that the march that we had was a march that we pulled together in about two or three days. It was after uh, the state came in um, and held a vigil in the middle of the black community for these cops. And we said, we can't let them do that. So we had planned a vigil for Lavelle Mixon. And we put out, we basically put handbills up in the community. And we had hundreds of people out at that rally uh, Africans who uh, normally won't come out to these events because of their records and things that knowing the state is going to move on them. But we took to the streets and everybody came out to uphold the resistance of African people. And it was a very uh, victorious march because the African community had to see itself, had to see the resistance to the violence. And, you know, the family came out and um, you know, it was the kind of thing that we live for, the kind of organizational um, uh, mobilization that we uh, are built to do. And that's what we did. And we led this and we brought the African community back into political life uh, to take a stand uh, against uh, the murder of Oscar Lavelle, uh, Oscar um, um, Lavelle Mixon, and uh, to uphold his resistance, you know, and the fact that African people have to resist. And it was just a real important mobilization that had to happen. And, and the thing is, it was a response to, again, uh, you know, the state uh, demonizing the African community and upholding these four cops who were murdered, like no such thing should happen. And who's, who's going to dare even put a gun to let alone kill four police. And, and even to today, uh, people still uphold the memory of Lavelle Mixon, Uhura. 
Uhuru. And, you know, uh, Bakri Olatunji, West Coast Regional Representative of the African People's Socialist Party, um, I had YouTubed or Googled um, some uh, some stuff about Lavelle Mixon, and that vigil is all over the internet. And uh, if, if people want to look that up, I, I think it's an important study in the history of, of the African People's Socialist Party. And it's just incredible political education that, that you're putting out around that vigil, uh, around Lavelle Mixon and the question of, of resistance, upholding it. And one, however, there is one interview I was not able to find. And I, I don't know if, you, if, if this was anything uh, th that would be worth addressing. Around the time of the Lavelle Mixon case, you were interviewed by the O'Reilly Factor news show, which is no longer with us as a news show. Uh, it was known as a high-profile reactionary TV show. I wanted to know if, if, if that was anything you could speak to, what it was like being on such a high-profile, uh, you know, colonial TV show known to be reactionary. What was the, the objective going into that interview as a member of the African People's Socialist Party? And, and do you think that objective was achieved? Yes, I think that objective was achieved. Um, we got notification, you know, the O'Reilly Factor had reached out to the Uhura movement to come uh, participate in these cops that were murdered in Oakland. Uh, initially, um, we notified uh, Chairman O'Malley Eshetela, the leader of the Uhura movement, and chairman of the African People's Socialist Party. Um, he was thinking that, you know, we may not want to take it on. And I assured him, you know, that we should and could. And the chairman united with that. And uh, we went there uh, basically to speak to the question of the violence that occurs in the African community. And it really was speaking African internationalism. It was speaking the theory of the African working class. And we should have the confidence to put that in any debate, in any platform, anywhere on the planet, whether it's a high profile reactionary uh, person like uh, the one you just mentioned or uh, anybody else. So uh, the chairman made that decision that we're gonna go ahead and do that. And that's what we did. And it was interesting because once we went to the studio there in San Francisco, they have you in an isolated room, but I saw that they had this uh, former mayor of San Francisco, Willie Brown, um, they brought him on the show. Uh, of course, that's the neo-colonial um, component to have white power and black face there to speak uh, to uh, what O'Reilly was going to uphold was the, the demonizing of the African community and who are you and how dare you speak uh, things of this, this murderer as they tried to portray Lavelle Mixon. And we basically gave a history of the cops the ones that were killed, uh, um, uh, the cops that Lavelle took out and the whole situation around that, the uh, history of 40 years of unchecked murders of African people by uh, Oakland Police Department. And we spoke of this history. We spoke of the continued uh, reality that African people face. And it was nothing that Willie Brown or Bill O'Reilly could really address. They kept trying to drive the point about uh, murdering these cops. But we said, you know, the fact is that the colonial violence that occurs in the African community, it was just endless police murders and not to mention the, the violence that comes in the form of uh, the education that we receive in the schools, uh, the housing that we have in the African community. So yeah, I thought we achieved a lot of great um, goals that we had laid out uh, to go into that Bill O'Reilly um, interview with. That 
Bakri Olutunji, uh, West Coast representative of the African People's Socialist Party. I just, I just have to say that's a, a brilliant piece of political maneuvering from from my perspective because it, it seems like so many reactionary news outlets at the time were convinced that they could just interview you or party members about this and that it would be like a gotcha kind of thing that, that they would somehow be exposing um something negative about the party but it was just a time for for the uhuru movement and the african people socialist party and the resistance of african people to shine and and to to that, that you represented it so honestly and thoroughly i i think that's just so important and and really really appreciate the, the stance that you took around Lavelle Mixon. I, I, I wanted to move to something more, uh, you know, uh, about the, the structures of the African People's Socialist Party, the, the economic self-determination work that you've been invo involved in over the years. You have done exemplary work for one of the most recognizable institutions of the Uhuru movement, that being Uhuru Foods and Pies. And you are, if I'm not mistaken, your vice chair of Uhuru Foods and Pies, and you coordinate sales and, and distribution uh, for, for the Uhuru Pies campaign. Can you talk to us about the revolutionary history of that institution of Uhuru Foods and Pies in Oakland, California? Uhuru, yes, uh, that's a long history. Um, Uhuru Foods and Pies um, basically um, started in the late 1970s, early 1980s in the San Francisco Bay Area. And it started as a part of the campaign um, to raise resources for Desi Woods, who was an African woman who um, was uh, uh, jailed in um, Georgia for murdering a white man who tried to rape her. And it was an international campaign and we took it upon us to raise resources for that campaign. And literally the Uhuru Foods and Pies was born out of that process where we began selling chocolate chip cookies at Grateful Dead concerts and uh, Uhuru Pies came into play after that. Well, we needed to take on a more institutionalized approach to raising the resources. Um, it was reparations work uh, early on um, for you know, the African People's Solidarity Committee. And uh, of course it is morphed into uh, one of the dynamic institutions of Black Star Industries it is one of the older, more successful um, institutions uh, under um, the African People's Socialist Party uh, and Black Star Industries. Uh, today, uh, we are, uh, we've been impacted by, you know, COVID. Uh, we've done a pivot. We are building, uh, having a lot more relationships right now with uh, uh, the big money sector, certain corporations who have contributed uh, to toward uh, Uhuru Foods and Pies and um, APEDF. And uh, I just think that uh, the history of Uhuru Foods and Pies speaks to the resistance of African people, just as we talked a minute ago about the resistance to the Lavelle Mixon thing. We have been out here at um, street fairs for over 20 years, uh, Grateful Dead concerts, Raggy on the River, um, and always have taken a stand that this is a project of uh, benefits the African working class community. This is creating an independent uh, African economy. Um, we have this on our branding. We have this when we sell our pies, when we sell our food, we ask for uh, donations. People know exactly where the resources are going. So we talk about it. We've been on the ground for 30, 40 years, uh, speaking to the question of dual and contending power, uh, economic institution of the uh, party. Uh, out on the ground, 
uh, talking about uh, just the thing of, of building uh, this independent economy and in the interests of African people. So it has been a long history, uh, well fought battle. And today we are still battling and we are still working. Um, I think just with this COVID thing, there's been over 60% of small businesses are basically not gonna be there after this time next year. Not only will Ohuru Foods and Pies be there, but we, explain, we ex expect to expand and to blow up and to be uh, uh, the entity that we were created to be and to compete uh, economically in this, this, this dying but not yet dead uh, capitalist colonial system. And as a matter of fact, we are about negating uh, the uh, prestige and the influence of the uh, uh, economic uh, factors that are play right now. So it is so important for rural foods and pies to continue to grow and develop at this point. Wow, thank you for that. I, I really appreciate the way you phrased that as resistance uh, in, in the same vein as, as we were talking with Lavelle Mixon. I think that's, that's a really important point that we need to internalize. And uh, Bakri Olatunji, as you are the, the West Coast Regional Representative of the African People's Socialist Party, and, and you've been a prominent member of, of the Uhuru Movement and the African People's Socialist Party uh, since the 1980s. Um, not, not to put a date on it, but um, the, could you uh, sum up your understanding of what is distinct about this period in the struggle for Black power how are things in the world different today in terms of, of organizing and building for the African revolution from when you first joined? Yeah, I appreciate that question, Jamie. Um, it is very distinct. Um, I think for me, the clearest thing is that we see there's a um, consciousness amongst uh, Africans today uh, based on the political period that we didn't see um, uh, when I came around. Uh, the contradiction, the colonial conditions have not changed, but the consciousness of our people uh, is to meet a critical factor. And what we must do is to bring African internationalism um, to that, to help people take the long view, help people to come to the conclusion that revolution is the only solution and that people must join the revolutionary project. They must join um, Uhuru Foods and Pies, they must join the African People's Socialist Party. And we see people coming into uh, these formations. And I think that we um, have to be about providing leadership, providing the long view, uh, bringing revolutionary science uh, to the masses of the people is what we have to do right now. And the people are poised to hear that message and to understand it and internalize it even more because people still unfortunately have this thing of, of racism, thinking that the problem is racism and that we have to get white people to like us, but that is not the case. The case is that we have to say um, that we are not fighting racism. You know, that is not what we're about. Um, we are about forwarding uh, African internationalism, you know, and that that is, the thing that we have to win out there in the world. We have to have our own philosophy that guides our own practical work that we do every day to negate uh, this system, to build our own independent economy. So I think today the people are hearing the, hearing the message. Uh, they're seeing uh, the reaction in the streets. They're, they're seeing things 
by their own power. When they get out and do demonstrations, when they burn police stations, they're beginning to feel their own power. And what they need now is revolutionary uh, leadership to provide that scientific analysis, to provide that long view that they've come to the conclusion that they can't continue to take things, but we have to move that forward. And this is what the strategy of the African People's Socialist Party is doing right now. We are building um, through the regional strategy to bring people into concrete manifestations of what we're doing through the different regions, whether it's the Black Power Blueprint, whether it's Uhuru Foods and Pies, whether it's building our regional hubs uh, and, and, and uh, pushing out the Buy Black Power campaign. Um, there are different avenues where we can bring people into the revolutionary project and forward uh, the revolutionary motion um, that we see uh, some people coming to that conclusion out in the streets and we got to bring them into that understanding and forward the motion of African people. Outstanding. West Coast Regional Representative of the African People's Socialist Party, Bakari Olatunji, thank you so much for joining us today on Reparations in Action. We, we truly hope that you'll join us on the program again. Uhuru. Uhuru, thank you, Jeff. Thank you. Uh, that was Bakriola Tunji, West Coast Regional Representative of the African People's Socialist Party and Vice Chair of Uhuru Foods and Pies. You're listening to Reparations in Action on Black Power 96.3 WBPU LP St. Petersburg. We'll take a musical break and be right back. Welcome back to Reparations in Action here on Black Power 96.3 WBPU LP in St. Petersburg. And um, we do have Bakari Olatunji on the line. He is the West Coast Regional Representative of the African People's Socialist Party. And we're summing up the, the Oscar Grant case um, that, that we, we discussed earlier, earlier, Bakari. I also wanted to ask you if you could talk to us um, what you think about what you think is significant about organizing for African liberation, specifically where you're located in Oakland, California? What is, in your opinion, distinct about 
Oakland and the African People's Socialist Party's legacy there. And, and in terms of movement history, we know this occupies a legendary position where we uh, think of uh, things like Measure O, Measure H, Huey P. Newton and his last speeches and funeral, the Bobby Hutton Clinic, etc. Could could you speak to that history and what your understanding of its significance is? It is extremely significant, um, as you stated. Um, the Oakland years is captured in the uh, last two political reports that the chairman uh, has written um, in Uneasy Equilibrium and in Vanguard. Uh, it speaks to the history of the party and the Oakland years were very uh, important in the development of the theory of African internationalism, uh, a theory of practice. And uh, you talked about Measure O in uh, 1984, Measure uh, H in 1986, uh, uh, the stance that the party took with Huey Newton in Oakland uh, with the murder of Huey Newton in 1989, where we rescued uh, uh, the memory of Huey Newton from the hands of the state who tried to demonize uh, a, a true hero of the African Revolution uh, here in Oakland, California. Uh, and the countless other campaigns, the Bobby Hutton African People's Freedom Clinic, which is where my introduction uh, to the movement during that time, uh, where we had a 27-foot uh, uh, recreational vehicle where we went to the most impoverished areas in the projects in Oakland, bringing free health care and bringing an understanding of how we have to organize in our own interests, how uh, the right to health care was a basic human right, and we have to have our own independent capacity to provide that in the community and not rely on going to uh, the county hospital, Highland Hospital here, at that time, um, and I was also a nurse there at Highland Hospital as well. But we really uh, took uh, the programs out to the people to bring them again to the Revolutionary Project and to win the people to African internationalism, such as we have to do today. But the history of Oakland, California is uh, so broad and so much, it, uh, you can have each, each one of the things that we can talk about it be a topic in and of itself but the, the rich legacy and the history here in Oakland, California is archived in the burning sphere. Um, and I hope that people can even read um, uh, Vanguard and Uneasy Equilibrium to get an idea of the Oakland years through reading that. But it is so significant in terms of putting um, everyone in the Bay Area. We even go out and sell pies today. Oh yeah, we know about the Hura movement. We have a Hura furniture here in Oakland. Um, there are times when uh, people say, yeah, yeah, I know about the furniture stores. So we have a rich history of political and economic work, which are one right here in Oakland, California and throughout the Western region. Uh, the Hura movement is known for its political stance and the work we do in the interests of African people, not just in Oakland, but in the Western region. Wow. Yeah, it's incredible work that, that you've done, comrade. It, this is this has been fantastic. I really want to thank you for, for being on today and uh, hope hope that you can come back to the show uh, um, another time that we can talk longer. We're going to have to close out the, the interview for, for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Bakari Olatunji, West Coast Regional Representative of the African People's Socialist Party. All right. Thank you for having me, Jamie. Uhuru. Uhuru. Just fantastic. So we, we really uh, 
appreciate your, your presence today and hope that you can join us again very soon. And um, this is a, an important day. You know, uh, you're listening to Reparations in Action here on Black Power 96.3 WBPU LP St. Petersburg, Florida. And on October 12th, yesterday, it was the so-called national holiday of Christopher Columbus, a day known uh, by indigenous people as a national day of mourning and more recently as Indigenous Peoples Resistance Day. On the same morning that the genocidal mass murder, the mass murderer Christopher Columbus um, was being celebrated, the chair of the African People's Solidarity Committee, Penny Hess, went out to Tower Grove Park in St. Louis, Missouri, where just a month ago, she live streamed the removal of the Columbus statue that used to be there. And a few minutes later, Jesse Neville, the chair of the Uhuru Solidarity Movement, went live from Beach Drive right here in St. Petersburg, Florida. Jesse Neville, who joins us on the show today, um, near the entrance to St. Pete Pier, where until last year, a Christopher Columbus statue had been for many years before the city removed it in order to, according to the city of St. Pete's communications director, Benjamin Kirby, protect it from the pier construction. Let's move now to a clip of Penny Hess in St. Louis, followed by Jesse Neville right here in St. Petersburg, Florida. Uhuru, Jamie, uh, this is Jesse. Um, just before we go to that clip, I just wanted to thank Western Party uh, Regional Representative Bakri Latunji for being on the show today. That was a great interview. And I also wanted to mention uh, that when I first joined the Uhuru movement, one of the first things I watched on YouTube was Bakri on the O'Reilly Factor. And uh, Bakri's summation of, of what happened on the O'Reilly Factor was, was incredibly humble because uh, Bakri Latunji absolutely destroyed him. Uh, it was it was a beautiful thing to watch, and um, you know Bill O'Reilly is kind of notorious for like yelling over his guests and uh, and being very boorish and bullying and kind of thing, and not letting people get a word in edgewise. And uh, in going up against both O'Reilly and this neo-colonial uh, other pundit that they had on, basically it was two against one. Um, Bakri stood tall, and the African People's Socialist Party was you know it was just a total knockout in that in that. Uh, that discussion. So I just wanted to salute uh, party uh, regional rep Bakri Latunji and salute the African People's Socialist Party. Uhuru. Uhuru, Jesse. Thank you for that. Yeah, it's it, it's really an incredible period, the, the whole uh, Lavelle Mixon uh, period. And, and I encourage anyone who wants to go back and, and look at that period. I don't know if you can find the uh, O'Reilly interview, but everything that I, Bakri... Yeah, is, I have is, not been able to find it. Um, I don't know if Bakri is still on, if he knows where it can be found, but uh, I would love to see it again. It was incredible. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's I'm still on. It's basically, they took it down. Um, they yeah. took it down shortly after the interview. It was on the internet for a few days. And after that, it was taken down and there's no evidence of it. They've even put some other Africans up there to speak on it that spoke to with uh, their point of view, but. It's taken down. It was taken down real quick. Wow. 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 It, it, it seems like a, a con they're conceding that it was a defeat of the imperial uh, news machinery that, that, that you, you represented so, so thoroughly for, for African resistance. And I, I was struck, you know, in some of those YouTube videos, um, it seems like they're trying to set you up. 
um, to, like I said, to do a gotcha. And, and there, there was one exchange during which you, you said, and you even validated what, what the pro cop interviewer was saying about, um, you know, the cops being good guys. They're, what about their wives? What about their families, their dogs? They helped the little old lady across the street. And you said, you know, maybe they do that. In the white community, maybe they are the people that helps the little old lady over the street. But when they come to the African community, they put on that police uniform, they become killers. And it just, there was just nothing that could be said to deflect from that point. It was so front and center that there, there was no way they could talk around it or, or slander the African community in the, in the face of that brutal reality. So I, I just uh, agree with Jesse in, in saluting you for that work. It's, it was absolutely heroic. And, and anyone that has any interest in this should, should go back and, and check it out. Uhuru. Uhuru. So, so we're, we're, we're talking Uhuru. about this. Well, thank, thank you, Bakari. Thank you once again. Uh, sorry, right. Jamie. So I do, I do have the clip. Uh, you do? Okay. Yeah. Mo moving yeah. now to uh, this, this question of, of uh, Columbus uh, being removed here in St. Pete. Uhuru. But I just wanted to salute the indigenous people today, that this is their land and that the celebration of Columbus is a, uh, is a celebration of genocide of the indigenous people and that this is their land. And I am Penny Hess, chair of the African People's Solidarity Committee. I am an organized under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party, Chairman Omalia Shatella is our leader. And we also salute Deputy Chair Ona Zanea Shatella. And I have the honor of working in the white community uh, along with my comrades from the Solidarity Movement to build reparations for African people inside this country and wherever white people are based on the reality that this country is built on the enslavement of African people, the assault on Africa, based on the genocide of the indigenous people, the theft of their land, and colonial domination on this entire planet, a pedestal upon which all white people sit. And I am here in St. Louis, Missouri, which is a um, place where the statue of Christopher Columbus was forcibly taken down by a movement of the people in response, in the period, I think it was taken down in June, in response to um, the incredible resistance of, led by the African working class um, to take down the monuments of colonialism and this city was forced to take this down. And there's a leaf blower right here, but I'm gonna continue because this is really critical. And I wanna say that St. Louis was the staging ground for the military assault on the indigenous people, the so-called Indian Wars, the wars of occupation, the wars of genocide that were perpetrated. St. Louis was where that was centered by the US government. I will also say that 80%, according to what I've read, 80% of the genocide though was carried out by individual white vigilantes um, attacking the, uh, and, and murdering and slaughtering the indigenous people here and all over the country. Um, and that this is the city where Dred Scott 
decision was made where he appealed to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court ruled in about 1830 that African people had no rights that any white person had to had to respect. And this is the city of of where an African uh, woman was slaughtered, was beaten to death by her slave master, her white man that owned her and had complete control over life and death over her. He beat her to death. Her name was Hannah. That's all we know about her in 1834. His name was Major Harney, and he was chosen to be a general by Abraham Lincoln, and there is a street named after him here in St. Louis. Also, an African man in 1836, Francis McIntosh, who had won his so-called freedom, um, and he, he was a free man, quote-unquote, inside of colonial America, in white power America in 1836. He got off a boat, a steamboat on the Mississippi River, and he was seized and burned to death um, not far from here as well. And that this is the city where Mike Brown was murdered, where the police continually murder African people. You know, the, that this statue represented the white power domination of this city and that um, that the fact is that this beautiful land and this beautiful park belongs to the native people, the indigenous people, and that um, that this statue represented a kind of wink to white people that it was okay to, to come here and to walk around because the colonial domination is in power. Right at the location you're looking at right now, is where just a year ago, for many, many, many years, there stood a statue of the genocidal mass murderer of the indigenous people of this land, whose name and whose life is being celebrated by the government of this country today on so-called Columbus Day. So we're making this video today from the Uhuru Solidarity Movement, the organization of white people working under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party. We wanna salute Chairman Omali Ishatella, we want to salute Deputy Chair Onizene Yeshatela. We want to salute African and indigenous people fighting around the world for their liberation, for their self-determination. And we're out here because we want to say that we absolutely reject this disgusting celebration of genocide known as Columbus Day. And as white people under the leadership of the African Revolution, we declare our unconditional solidarity with the right of the indigenous people to reclaim their land. I don't care what Woody Guthrie had to say about it. This is not our land, white people, and we know that. We know we are not indigenous to this land, as Chairman Amali Shatella has pointed out. We are the invaders, we are the occupiers, we are the colonizers, we are the settlers, we are the illegal aliens that came to this land looking for a better way of life, kidnapped an entire continent of people, African people, and forced them onto slave ships, forced them to this land to work for hundreds of years for nothing to build our economy on land that we stole from the indigenous people at gunpoint, who we slaughtered by the millions and put into concentration camps euphemistically referred to as reservations. And just a year ago, after resistance, after demonstrations were held at the statue of Columbus that used to tower over this area of 
the luxurious white community of St. Petersburg in Beach Drive, uh, the city announced that they would, they didn't announce it actually, they quietly in the dead of night removed the statue of Christopher Columbus from where it used to stand right over here. And why did they remove the statue? They claimed that they were removing the statue to protect Columbus, to protect the statue of Christopher Columbus from construction of the St. Pete Pier that was built right over here, right down that road. You can get to a pier that costs $90 million when African people are living in the most dire conditions of colonial poverty in this city. So they claim that they took that statue down and that they are taking good care of it somewhere in City Hall because they didn't want it to get injured by construction of the St. Pete Pier. Well, I am here to tell Ben Kirby, the communications director of the city of St. Pete, who made that announcement. I am here to tell the Christman administration. I am here to tell the city government of St. Petersburg who claim that they will be looking for a new time and place to put up that statue of Columbus. I am here to tell you on behalf of all the white people in this city who stand in solidarity with the indigenous people and their struggle to reclaim their land and sovereignty, as on behalf of the white people in this city who stand in solidarity with African people in this city who are catching hell, who are fighting for power over their communities, who are fighting for an end to the police terror against their communities, I am here to tell you, you are not going to put that statue of Christopher Columbus back up anywhere in the city of St. Petersburg. That is not going to happen. You are not going to do that. I am telling you that right now. You are not going to put up that statue of Christopher Columbus here or anywhere else in this city. I don't care that the pier is done. That statue is not going back up. I'm telling you that right now. Okay, Uhuru. That was Penny Hess and Jesse Neville in St. Louis and St. Petersburg, respectively. Jesse, could you talk to us about why you went out on Columbus Day to Beach Drive and your, your message for white people in the city of St. Pete who want to take a stand in solidarity with indigenous people and African people? Well, it looks like we have momentarily uh, lost. Oh, no, Jesse. I'm back. Sorry. Oh, Uhuru, okay, Jesse. Here I am. Uhuru, Jamie, uh, definitely. And um, also want to appreciate Bakri Latunji for being on with us still. And anything, if there's anything that, um, that you wanted to say, Bakri, uh, please feel free to do so. Um, I'll just start off by saying that it was important for us to be out there, really salute the statement that Chairwoman Penny Hess gave um, both yesterday and also on the day that that statue was removed. She just happened to be uh, going for a morning walk. And then, you know, when she goes out early, right? So obviously uh, they did not expect that anyone would be out at that time. And then all of a sudden, as they're bringing down the uh, Columbus statue in Tower Grove, Penny Hess goes live and starts agitating and um, making statements in solidarity with the indigenous people and condemning uh, colonial white power. So um, it was important to be out there. Uh, I thought it was incredibly <laughs> bold and offensive uh, on the part of the St. Petersburg government to say that uh, they, they brought, you know, at a time when uh, colonial monuments and statues are being brought down either by the people directly or by governments in response to the threat of the people bringing them down, uh, that the city government's response to that is, well, we're taking away the Columbus statue. We're going to go, we're protecting the Columbus statue, basically, from we, what we know is coming to it. Uh, and actually, a group of indigenous people uh, did a demonstration in Tampa at the Columbus statue just a day ago, uh, two days ago, 
where they dipped their hands in red paint and, and uh, pressed their hands all over the base of the statue so that it was covered in bloody red handprints. And of course, a huge line of police came and guarded uh, Columbus. And there's this pretty amazing photo of the Columbus statue with a huge line of cops guarding it in front of this fountain uh, stained in red paint that is now is blood red reflecting the image of both Columbus and the police protecting him uh, pretty much sums it up for you right there. Um, but uh, in St. Pete, no such demonstration was was able to occur because the uh, the city took the statue away and said that they were going to wait until the pier was done so they could find uh, a, a way to put it back up. So um, so we're going to be taking this on as well as the larger demand for reparations to the black community of St. Petersburg on October 17th, this Saturday. Wow. Okay. Just a few days away now. And we're going to be marching right here in St. Petersburg. We're going to start at City Hall and we're going to end up in Vinoy Park, not too far from where the statue used to be. Uh, and we're going to be marching uh, for reparations to African people. And we're going to be joined by none other than Chairman Omalia Shatella himself, the founder and leader of the Uhuru movement, as well as Akile Anai, who's the director of the Agitation and Propaganda Department for the African People's Socialist Party, who ran for office twice in the city on a reparations platform. And we expect to see a lot of white people out there because we know there are millions of white people in the world and many, many thousands of white people here in this city who want to take a stand, who do not want to be falsely represented by our government and by the white ruling class any longer. Uh, we want to stand on the forward side of history and this March for Reparations is an incredible opportunity for us to do that. So it's wow. this, this Saturday, October 17th, and people can get more information at uhurusolidarity.org slash march. Thank you so much for that update, uh, Jesse Neville. Re really appreciate um, that, that reporting, staying on top of uh, the question of indigenous people and the, the colonialism that, that took this land from them. Uh, Comrade Bakari Olatunji, West Coast Regional Representative of the African People's Socialist Party. I, I wanted to also, we, we only have a few minutes left and I wanted to at this time, if, if you're able to turn it over to you to see if you had any uh, closing comments. Uhuru, I just really wanted to appreciate the piece that Jesse just did and, and shared. Um, you know, it's interesting. I attended a, um, an event in San Jose, California yesterday as a representative of the party. It was uh, uh, Indigenous People's Resistance Day in San Jose, and there was upwards of um, 60, 70 people who went into the statue of Thomas Fallon, who was uh, this colonizer who uh, colonized area down there. And it was a similar thing that happened there in San Jose that we talked about with Christopher Columbus uh, down in St. Petersburg, Florida. So it is good to see this resistance everywhere we go, whether it's in Florida or California. And what's interesting, just to add to that, is that the people were using uh, colonialism. And I heard colonialism repeated by every single speaker out mm -hmm. there. And I know of no other organization using the word colonialism outside of the Uhura movement as long and as effective as we have to win yeah. people to understand. And it's not, we're not fighting racism, we're fighting colonialism. So I really want to welcome um, that mm. uh, piece that Jesse just shared and really unite with this program. And yes, I do hope to get back again when I'm a lot more prepared. And uh, I just want to thank you again for having me today. Uhuru. Uhuru. 
Thank you, Jesse. No, I'm just just saying uh, to Bakri. It was it was great to have you on. It was a great honor. Really, really incredible, comrade. And I really appreciate that statement about colonialism. It's it's so very true that that there just isn't another organization putting out that it's colonialism, not racism. That the, that is a system oppressing African people. Um, it's it's something we have we have to stay aware of and, and continue to to sum up. So we're, we're coming up on the last few minutes of this episode of Reparations in Action here on Black Power 96.3 WBPU LP St. Petersburg. And um, Jesse, unless you have anything you'd like to announce before, I have some announcements. Uh, again, the March for Reparations is on October 17th, 2020 in cities across the United States. You can check out the new video at uhurusolidarity.org forward slash march. That's uhurusolidarity.org slash march. And on October 18th at 4 p.m., that's Sunday, you can check out The Revolution Will Not Be White-Led, a day of reparations to African people event on Zoom featuring Chairman Omalia Shetela and African People's Solidarity Committee Chairwoman Penny Hess. You can register by going to tinyurl.com slash uhurusolidarity. That's tinyurl.com slash Uhuru Solidarity. And Omali taught me on Sundays, 8 a.m. on Chairman Omali Ishitela's Facebook and youtube.com slash The Burning Spear. Don't miss 8 a.m. Omali taught me on Sundays. That's a very powerful study. And you can register for the March on the White House, sponsored by the Black is Back Coalition and the conference that will follow it on November 6th and 8th. You can go to blackisbackcoalition.org for more information. Again, that's blackisbackcoalition.org. And you can listen to this show, Reparations in Action, podcast and FM radio show, broadcast live every Tuesday at 12 p.m. on Black Power 96.3 WBP. LP St. Petersburg, Florida, and now available as a podcast. You can follow us on Podbean at uhurusolidarity.podbean.com. My name is Jamie Simpson. I want to thank Bakari Olatunji, West Coast representative, regional representative of the African People's Socialist Party. I want to thank Jesse Neville, our outstanding engineer, co-host, chair of the Uhuru Solidarity Movement. It's been a pleasure being with you today. Thank you to Black Power 96.3 and the African People's Education and Defense Fund. Unity through reparations and Uhuru. We'll talk to you next week. Girl. Girl.